0: Welcome to Tesseract Podcast where we unlock your power to innovate. Hi, my name is Matt and I'm going to be your host today. Tesseract's mission is to empower airmen, connect them to resources and accelerate change across the Air Force logistics enterprise. Specifically, our team works as an innovation accelerator assigned to the Air Staff Logistics Directorate where we partner with airmen to operationalize the new sustainment strategy. In this episode, we have a recording of the Theory of Constraints main stage panel at the LOA 2022 symposium. There is great senior leader insight as to how to lead Theory of Constraints efforts. And what's also unique about this panel is how we talk about the relationship between ops and maintenance and how to lead change. All right, here we go.
1: talk to you guys about some innovation in our amazing Tesseract team. How was that? Good? All right, so that was part one of Operation Tesseract. Um, this is part two. And so this afternoon, I get to talk to you a little bit about Theory of Constraints. Now, hopefully by now, you guys all know what Theory of Constraints is. Agreed? Have you guys all read the, the book called The Goal? OK, well, if not, go find it and read it, please, because Theory of Constraints is here to stay. So um, let's think about this. Literally everything we do in logistics is process-based. And I'm guessing, given the status of our resources and the age of our weapon systems, we have a constraint or two out there. Well, perhaps this can help us mitigate some of those constraints. And so what I will tell you is that theory constraints helps us get after what really matters the most. if we're going to meet all of our goals we have to come at it in a systematic way and that's exactly what theory constraints does for us. Now theory constraints has been out there for you know many many years. It started in the 1980s or so and but what I will tell you is log nation really just got started on the theory constraints journey at least in the field in the last two years. Now it was a huge hit in the ALC. So if you're out there in the air air logistics complexes, you know all about theory constraints and the application of art of the possible and the huge wins and the increase in throughput that it it, it, uh, produced. Well, there's no reason we can't do that exact same thing in the field. All good logistics is done in process. So we're gonna get after it in that space too. And in fact, in the last two years, we have. We've had about 20 different projects out there um, in partnership with our Goldrat team to get after fighters, get after bombers, get after uh, mobility aircraft. We've been out of the supply chain wings, we've been at the IDRC. You name it, we've been out there. And so I get to share a little bit more about the second part of our Tesseract team. But this time, I brought friends. And so I'd like to introduce our teammates here. Um, first and foremost, Colonel Bill Ray, who's the maintenance group commander out at Luke. And so welcome. Um, he's a career aircraft maintenance officer, been around for about 27 years now. Was <laughs> the MXG at Bagram, MXG at Kadena, and now the MXG at Luke. Third time's your charm. Now, the cool thing that I need to share with you, because this is just cool, and it's a very much of a proud parent type of moment here. So Bill just found out this morning that his son received an Air Force ROTC scholarship to the Citadel. So congratulations. <laughs> is going to be a third generation airman. How Awesome. Awesome. Very, very, very cool. All right, next up is Colonel Kevin Lord, Doves. And he's the ops group commander out at Shaw. Yes, he's an F-16 pilot, and he loves Ohio State, mainly because his wife told him to. Very good, way to pay attention. And I bet you guys are all wondering what the heck you're doing inviting an operator to LOA. Well, I will tell you that what a concept to have the A3 and the A4 actually working together. If we're going to generate air power, perhaps we should work together. You know, cats and dogs can play. They really can. And so seriously, um, we brought in uh, a great teammate here to share all about the journey of Shaw Air Force Base. All right, folks in the room, everybody know Sridhar? All right. So, Sridhar has been our partner in crime for the last couple of years, member of Goldratt Consulting, actually worked with Dr. Goldrat, And so he's been working on theory constraints for the last 23 years and has enlightened our Air Force team and really helped us drive the improvement that we've been seeking. So, Sridhar, thank you. Um, last and certainly not least, our senior enlisted leader for our Tesseract team. Um, he is a crew chief who's a big, huge Yankees fan. That's right. I don't know why. (laughs) But he joined us um, from Kadena. So welcome to all of our panel members. All right, so without further ado, let me get to the lineup of questions. All right, so for our two colonels. So Colonel Ray has applied theory of constraints at both Kadena and at Luke. And Dubs is working on this at Shaw. So gentlemen, can you give us some insight into your organizations and talk a little bit about the motivations to introduce theory of constraints?
2: So, ma'am, at, uh, at Kadena, uh, as well as at Luke, and I, I think it's probably across the Air Force, we're not flying enough. Our pilots are not flying enough, and, uh, and we were challenged to make CMR. If, when I first got to Kadena, Kadena, we were challenged to make the daily flying schedule, and then it, we worked our way up to that with the helps of uh, uh, Tim Jordan, Alex Pagano, Tyler Gibson, and, and a whole lot of talented uh, leaders. We started making the flying schedule regularly, and then the challenge became, all right, how do we get CMR regularly? Uh, and, and the same challenge exists at uh, Luke with making PFT. We're not flying our pilots enough, and so, uh, so I want to do that. I want to fly our pilots as much as they need to fly. I want, to, I want them to run out of pilots before I run out of aircraft. Uh, but I don't want to do it on the backs of our airmen. I don't want to work 12-hour shifts. I want to do it nine-hour days, nine-hour shifts, rather. Uh, I want to not do it on the weekends. I want to do it in the, in the uh, confines of the week, and I want to be able to implement uh, Airmen for Life. Uh, and so we've been able to do those things at two organizations now, leveraging theory of constraints.
3: And then from my perspective, I showed up at Shaw right after uh, the two years that the Shaw maintenance group had been working with Goldrat. And one of my first opportunities to interface with the maintenance group was one of the Sridhar-led joint sessions between ops and maintenance. And I mean, there's one main thing that Sridhar said, he's like, we're here to work smarter, not harder. And I'm like, yes, that sounds good. And I'm like, maintenance has spent the last two years trying to figure this stuff out. And I'm like, well, they've done their due diligence. It's probably our turn. Like anyone who knows anything about fighter scheduling it's always a house of cards it's uh i wouldn't say it's the most efficient or the most accurate process that's ever been done and and so after seeing what maintenance had done it just seemed right (laughs) to get in on some of that and so and i mean i'll echo that and like i've i've been absolutely impressed with everyone i've met from the tesseract team and everyone i've seen here we don't have anything like this in the ops world and so it's super impressive to see it and i'm very grateful for the opportunity and i'll try not to point at my watch or talk with my hands but it's going to happen so i'll sit <laughs> on them but you know and, and what i would say is it's unfortunate that what it like theory of constraints uses this idea of the burning platform and why are the conditions so bad and and you have to use a term like burning platform to motivate and convince people that something different has to happen um, unfortunately that's that is what is going on at Shaw, right? We had our PMAI Redux uh, fourth gen airplanes that are well over their service life. And then on top of that, we have the F-35 issues, which I won't get into, but I'm sure you all know what they are. And so we had uh, increased tasking uh, for deployments, increased absorption for new pilots because they couldn't go absorbed into the F-35s and then reduced airplanes. And so it's like, uh, there's this massive cliff that we're going towards. And, you know, and, and we didn't quite know exactly what was going on, but we knew enough that like, there was enough change and there was enough bad things that we needed to do something. And so that's, we were super lucky. We used wing funds to fund a, a gold rat initiative, and that's what we've been doing.
1: Okay. So clearly, you know, implementation of theory constraints can cause significant changes within an organization and gaining buy-in can tend to be um, difficult, but it's absolutely critical. So for our two kernels, how did you gain buy-in within your organization?
2: Uh, well, we had some, we had a, a lot of challenges at Kadena when I first got there, uh, and we started doing CPI initiatives, uh, you know, to, to fix various processes. Um, the uh, we read the Goal. Uh, we were we were doing a book club uh, every every month. We read a different book, and so one month I, I selected that I wanted to do the Goal. Uh, Tim and uh, Major Pagano. Came to me uh, on the golf course we were getting ready to uh, to do this uh, the book club the following day but i was on leave that week i was going to come in and, uh, and do just the book club and they came out and said hey so what's your plan for uh, for the goal book club tomorrow and uh and i said well I, you know like we've done every other one and we're gonna i want us to understand generation processes and whatnot you know we're doing a, a, an exercise and uh, they said we've got a much better idea and so they uh they un- unveiled this academics and what became the the groundwork for uh for the slingshot Uh, And so we did that the following day. They started experimenting a ton with it uh, on the fighter side there. And met with such immediate and huge successes. I mean, a a record setting surge, you know, three and a half days, we flew 436 sorties on F-15s. I mean, these are older aircraft, 1978 to 86 model uh, aircraft. And so it was massive. And to see those sorts of successes, I mean, success breeds success. When guys see that we're that successful. And by the way, Friday morning, we were uh, 94% FMC did not work the weekend, uh, it was huge. And so folks really believed that, that we could do, I mean, we started to, to feel like we were invincible. So it was easy to propagate from there. Coming to, uh, to Luke, uh, I knew what I wanted the maintenance group to look like. And so we just started with a lot of uh, early academics. And, and again, I leveraged Tim, uh, I reached out to him now on the Tesseract team and asked him, could, you know, can you, can you work uh, Luke into the schedule? And he brought not just the test team, but the AFIT team to, to do education, and, uh, and it has grown and breeding its own successes there at Luke you know. So, well, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> uh, I'm
3: a, I'm an operator, so I could say this right. Like we are we are not big on process improvement, right? That's not in our culture. We don't talk about it, and like it's a dirty word. And so uh, it was not it was not like that for the operations group at Shaw. And so. Most of the pilots were like, what, you spent our money on this? Like, we want like flight suits and jackets and all of our cool stuff. And, and they're like, what? No, we didn't, like we do what we do and, and we're fine. And, and so the buy-in was not easy, um, but we were super lucky. We had, we had the right people and we had Shridhar's team. And, and the good part about like doing a core team sprint was they came in and within three days, like we, we gave Goldrat the data, they looked through our data and they're like, you guys aren't approaching a cliff. Like, you're already off of it. <laughs> so, th- I mean, that that's our burning platform, right? Like, we had been so we have been so concerned and so worried about this sortie delta and chasing our CMR numbers and our min rap and all the maintenance people in the room. There's a lot of you, I'm sure, right? Like, you've heard us at nauseum, we're not getting our sorties, we need our sorties and and so like, we had been missing the forest through the trees and like, we were already over the cliff. And so after like, two days of the core team, they brought that data, they briefed the, the four squadron commanders, and they're like, the, the problem is already here. And we're like, what do you mean? And, and we tell them that we don't, we're not gonna have enough flight leads. Like, the way with limited sorties, the people we're choosing to give sorties to, we're giving the sorties to the wrong people and we're creating a vacuum where we're not gonna have people to be flight leads like six months to a year from now. And then the whole whole system would fall apart. And so we tell them that and they're like, no, you're full of it, whatever. And so they go back, each each squadron did this independently. They went back to their squadron. We have a board that shows the sortie count and it shows when people are ready to be a flight lead. And each one of them, they went back and they're, and they're like in disbelief. They're like, they couldn't believe it. the The information was right there and we have like, we uh, have very limited people postured to be flight leads on our next phase. So for like six months from now, or six months from when we started, like, we were going to basically recognize that we were off the cliff and it was gonna be too late. And so the buy-in became much easier at that point, right? And we're I mean, like, this is our problem. Like this isn't a future problem. This is a problem right now. And we were able to like, get everyone on the same page that we needed to do something different.
2: And, and ma'am, if I could add, our problems uh, in the F-35, F-35 PFT, if you don't know, uh, we've got a, a, there's a motor problem on the uh, on the F-35. Uh, out at Luke right now, we've got 27 aircraft that don't have uh, have engines in them. Across the enterprise, there's, there's several more. Uh, you know, our teammates at Tinker are doing yeoman's work. I mean, they are getting after it. You know, two years ago, they didn't have to produce any motors, and now they're producing on the order of 60 a year. But it's still not enough, and this problem, uh, we what Goldred pointed out to us was that we're consuming four motors a month and we get three motors a month. And it's embarrassing, me personally, when when you step away from the trees, when they pull you away from the trees and have you look at this problem and you go, oh my gosh, how did we not see this coming? Uh, And so we have to do something differently. But we exacerbate the F-16 problem because we can't produce enough F-35 pilots. The Air Force needs F-35 pilots. In fact, General Brown said, the Air Force cannot succeed without the F-35. So we take that very personally, but we're not producing enough pilots. We don't have the aircraft to do that with. Uh, And so it takes 68 pilots or 68 sorties to produce an F-35 pilot from uh, from the initial course, initial qual. However, if we send them off to the F-16 to fly the F-16 for a year or two, they come back and they'll only cost 32 sorties uh, to produce an F-35 pilot. So we are deferring our workload onto the F-16 community that already has their problem. And so those guys come back, it's exacerbating his problem uh, to, to alleviate our problem, but it's overall not good for the Air Force. Okay.
1: So chief, this next one's for you. So it's one thing to get to the squadron commander and the group commander and all those guys on board, but getting the production staff on board, whole nother ball of wax. And that part's absolutely crucial. So chief, how do you get the enlisted leaders bought in?
4: It's a, it's a great question. Uh, it's, it's not easy. Um, you have to stay persistent, but you need them in the room when you're or when you're forming your core team. You need the naysayers, the people that aren't going to believe that it's going to work. And through going through the process and learning how theory of constraints works, why multitasking is a bad idea, why spreading your resources thin is only going to make your problem worse. Once you show them the error of their ways, you can now convince them to get on the team, and they become the hardest believers once they once they've made that journey. And, and it's really difficult at first to, to get them there, but you need them in the room because if, if they are just told to go do something, they'll let it fail on, out of purpose, you know, for spite. Um, you know, and I, I, I was those people. Um, so when I, when I spoke to them, it was from a place of knowledge. I, I could put myself in their shoes and I was like, in your position, If I had this information now, I could have been a much more effective person. I could have been training the next generation of people to replace me with this knowledge. So now you have this knowledge. Go train down. So um, really that's the best way that I can really say you have to involve them in the process and just deal with their, their negativity until you win their hearts and minds.
1: All right, so, Sridhar, can you tell us a little bit about how you break down the barriers in an organization so you can create this environment for TOC to be successful?
5: It's, again, not easy. (laughs) Um, But one thing that helps us is uh, we think in TOC is systems approach. And so uh, you take whatever system you get in the beginning. For example, in the Air Force, we took maintenance in the the depots and then say, okay, what can I do to improve that subsystem? and then show some immediate results. And then you start breaking the barriers because there is a ton of waste at the barriers. It's where when people or subsystems don't talk to each other, that's enormous amount of waste. And just once you start showing that, okay, I have cleaned up my house a little bit, now can we talk? Uh, I often say, sometimes it sounds like a marriage counseling session, but but once you break that and uh, like in Shaw, uh, uh, then it just opens up and the results is just amazing. And case in point, in Delta also, we started small. We started in maintenance. And today, they apply theory of constraints right from hiring of a pilot all the way as a seamless system, because you can hire too many pilots and then have training bottlenecks. If you train too many, then you have ops bottlenecks. So thinking through that, once they start, I think it just breaks it. But have to create a pocket of success and just keep growing. Um, And you, you will see the benefits exponentially there.
1: Okay, Chief, next one's for you as well. So you were on the ground floor leading our first Slingshot effort um, when you were at Kadena. What can you tell us about Slingshot?
4: So Slingshot is the organic way that the Air Force is trying to implement and teach theory constraints. So uh, Sridhar and his team in Goldrat have done amazing work for the Air Force, um, but the demand is outweighing the amount of bases that, that their company can, can reach out to. So we said if the entire Air Force and the entire A4 community specifically is gonna go this direction, we need to be able to train and teach ourselves how to implement Theory of Constraints. So what we did is at Kadena, um, we talked about, you know, we were educated in Theory of Constraints. We read the goal, because it was in the book club. And And it was mandatory. (laughs) It was mandatory. And we were like, we have this education, but we aren't doing anything with it. Why aren't we using the stuff that we were taught how do we start that process? And it just so happened that Shaw Air Force Base maintenance organization was going through a rat led theory of constraints initiative. So we reached out to them and said, hey, can we copy your homework? You're fighters, we're fighters, same ish, let's go. So we got their slideshow, we had questions, we called back, we got clarification. We did some internal training to our, our team and said this, we have support of our group commander, we're gonna execute. And we had really quick success. We, we messed up a lot, but we changed and we, we iterated as we went. So we weren't scared to fail and we were excited to, to go on that new journey. With that, we said, okay, this is successful for the F15s, but you know, there's you know, 135s across the base, there's E3s, there's HA60s, they need some of this. So we can go t- teach them, because now we know how to do it and we've already gone through some cases. So then how can we go to Misawa Air Base? Let's have Kadena go over and t- teach Masao how to do some stuff. So then I got hired for the Tesseract team, came up here and was implementing Theory Constraints. And I said, hey, you know, this is a lot for Kadena Air Base to try to do. Let's scale this across the Air Force. We pulled that slingshot away from Kadena. And now this is the Tesseract way to push Theory Constraints out uh, and provide education and provide facilitation to any organization uh, in our community that is, is ready to start this path and may need some assistance um, outside of what they currently have at their, at their organization.
3: And ma'am, can I pile on to that? Of course. And I mean, because I've sat through a couple of the TOC panels and I've heard people reference it. We talk about TOC as a, it's this monolith thing and Gold Rat's going to come in and save the day, which it's part of it. But what's key for everyone who hasn't done it and like the solutions that are being implemented at the bases are for the most part solutions like developed from people at the base right? And, and so if you don't think that you could do it or that you don't have the people that are capable of doing it at your base, that's not the case. You know, and, and one of the, the most fulfilling parts that we found out of this is I took to lead our core team. It was one of the DOs and a captain and we we're like, this is your problem. This is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to focus on. And that that is innovation. What they came up with is innovation. Like they were given a problem. They were given protection. They were given leadership buy-in. They were given a, a foundation to work with Goldrat, and it, it's been amazing to see what they come up with. And so you know, I just wanna make sure people take away from this that it, it, someone else isn't gonna come fix your problems, like no one up here is gonna have the answer that's to your problem. And the people who are gonna have the answers are gonna be the people at your base, and it's gonna be your airmen, like that they know what the problem is better than anyone else. Sure, Sridhar and his Jedi mind tricks are gonna help, like <laughs> help that process go along, but I mean, and, and that's what everyone, if, if you take anything, you know, like that should be one of the things that you take back. Like, the smart people and the answers are already at your base. You just need to give them the foundation and a framework and the focus and leadership protection to let them go do it. So, uh,
2: well, it, it, I'll pile on as well while, since we're piling on. Pylons but, are open. Sorry. Right. So, lost control. Uh, is, you is, know, they can come out and, and do a slingshot at your organization. They can bring the expertise in, and, and it will help to literally slingshot to, to jumpstart the, uh, the, the, the procedures and processes, but, uh, or bring goldrat out. But you have to put in the hard work, you must. And, and when they leave, you can't expect that we're gonna declare success on the mountain. Like you gotta continue to put on the hard work. You're still going to work hard, but you're gonna work hard to be far more successful uh, so you know, anyone that that believes that uh, okay we've had him here and we didn't see the the huge gains or whatever you wouldn't see these 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 uh, mountains moved out of our way well no you still have to climb the mountains but you're just going to do it at a better at a better rate and a better clip uh, you're going to see your you know, those, those successes but you have to know that's just the hard work continues maybe you won't have to do it on 12 hour shifts maybe you won't have to do it on weekends you're not going to have to throw manpower at the problems anymore you're going to have deliberate processes. They're providing us a framework for a, 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 the scientific method, if you will, you know, they're, they're providing a structure to do this in. Uh, and as we were talking about this earlier, it's super powerful to have 3,000 people in the, uh, in the 56 maintenance group working on, on one framework as opposed to 3,000 different ones. And I think you know, we, when we can get our, our operations partners on the same, same wave and then get the wing on the same, uh, developing the same solutions or, or thinking in the same framework, then it's so much more fast. Yeah. Well, and the mindset, like the solutions aren't coming from us.
3: <laughs> no. Like, and probably not anyone that's like above the rank of captain, like you're not going to be the ones that are going to solve the problem. And so, you know, going back with that mindset also is like, you, and TOC gives you that framework to allow the, the people with the answers to get the backing and the validation they need to, to get people to listen to them. Right? And that's what we found. It gives, it gave that captain who was a, like a captain in one of the squadrons, like, I, f- I believe he's going to change how all fighter squadrons do scheduling across the CAF. And because we did TOC, because of the legitimacy, because we gave him a voice, like, he's going to be able to make those changes, so.
1: Okay. So, great, great insights. Um, all of our discussions thus far have been centered kind of around aircraft maintenance. Um, and I've heard a 100 times over, okay, you guys keep doing maintenance tests. Maintenance task. Well, okay, the flight line is the center of gravity, so okay, that's a great place to start. But this applies to literally everything that we do in the logistics enterprise. Literally all logistics processes are based, or logistics is based on process. And if we're going to achieve this permission, per, ah, per, persistent mission generation that we are reaching out there to get, we've got to look at the entire logistics enterprise. And so, Sridhar, can you share with us a little bit about some of the other applications in our logistics realm?
5: Yeah, ma'am. So one area, for example, uh, in the Air Force that we are working on is uh, the deployment process, and I'm sure most of you go through it not very happily, but uh, Mm -hmm. so uh, it takes long, it's a lot of rework, it's frustrating, not just for the people who are going through the deployment or movement, but also for the team who's managing that so we're working with IDRC in Lake and Heath to shrink that down so you avoid rework, don't start when things are not ready. And not only for the planned depl- movements, but just for the unplanned movements, which is the future and so on. So that's one area. We're working with the 635th scow on the spare parts availability, and that's a very tough problem as you all know. Uh, your aircraft are getting old, nobody makes it anymore, the parts. So how do you get them all ready? Uh, that's, that's another area we're, we're, we're working with. The other cool area that I think is uh, we used uh, for airmen for life in Mildenhall, how do we get all the maintenance done by Thursday so that Friday we can send our airmen to career development? And you know, that's, for, at least for the GORAD team, it was awesome to be a part of that because it touches the life of the airmen. So uh, it's not just math, it's just life of people. So that's actually awesome. Beyond that, of course, uh, Delta is a great example we talk about. They have applied it everywhere. They started with maintenance and supply, and they went into catering, then they went into baggage handling. They have one of the lowest missed bags in the world. And then they went into pilot scheduling, uh, their fleet upgrade projects, you name it. They're, every single aspect of Delta is done by that. But beyond that, we have had some, um, I just wanna share one area where we thought it's almost impossible to apply to USC. This was a, a mental health crisis in the state of Utah. And you would think mental health psychiatric evaluation and how do you treat mental health patients is completely out of the realm of process. I mean, it's very heartbreaking to see how that works. But in Utah, The court would sentence somebody for a psychiatric evaluation and mental health, and they would wait nine months to even get into a first meeting with a psychiatrist, and the backlog was growing. And once they're inside the hospital system, they take more than a year or two to even get uh, healthy, so, and the limited resources. So actually, the Utah court came down and said, you will cut down the wait time of patients waiting to get in. And when we walked in, it was like all doctors and you know, uh, nobody thought it's a process and amazing work. Now the average wait time is seven days to get into the first treatment. And then they've cut down the what is called as the length of stay of a patient inside the mental health system by more than half. That's incredible. And it's just process views. Just once you step back and look at it, it's just there. The most... Uh, Um, latest body of knowledge and theory of constraints is in the area of innovation. The idea behind this is, in fact, Dr. Goldratt spent the last 10 years of his life applying TOC to innovation, and because the idea is not every company has a Steve Jobs who can be a visionary to think about future products and offerings, so how can we have a process view of innovation, and how do you apply innovation to such a creative effort like product development or Coming, coming up with new ideas and how do you streamline that process and bring the right offering to the market. Uh, we, were, we were very fortunate to engage with Mazda when they were almost in bankruptcy and they were struggling because Toyota, Honda, all of them had the hybrid and Mazda was struggling where to go. So they went actually to the industrial combustion engine using the TOC thinking process and so on. So, uh, if you take a step back, look at every organization as a system and process, I mean, there's no limit at least. Great.
1: Okay, so thanks for all your perspectives, and our whole goal here is to kind of educate you on what is, in this case, the art of the possible in terms of theory constraints, and so our goal here is to turn it away from buzzwords to practice. This is what we're trying to do on a day-to-day basis. This is our expectation for all of our performance. So to that end, how would you sustain it based on your experiences in each of your organizations? How do you plan on sustaining the momentum that you've each been able to gain?
2: In the 56th maintenance group, uh, as well as in the 18th maintenance group, we, we have an education plan. And so implementing that education, uh, a new leader comes in, uh, they need to go through the education. The, the captains uh, and the squadrons They've done a fantastic job getting the education out, and, and our senior enlisted getting the education out, uh, building a, an education plan, and then briefing it as, as it's relevant to each of the different sections. With their pieces of it, um, so education is is huge. And then, I don't think we measure correctly what uh, what's important to Luke, and what's important to Luke may not be important to Shaw, and what's important to Shaw is probably not important to Mildenhall, and so a hard look at, uh, at our metrics, what things that we're measuring to make sure that we're getting at a, at a quality aircraft. Uh, and we've, cha- we've changed our slideshow. We, we started this at Kadena. Uh, we had a young officer, Matt Kinney, that, uh, that led a team to uh, overhaul our uh, production slides. So we look at what's our work in process, or progress. We're not necessarily so as interested in what happened yesterday or, or last week. Yes, that's important if, it's, if it affects today's flying, but you know, if we fix the jet, I don't need to know all the details of how we fix the jet. I, we need to get on today to today's flying. So our, our slides focus on WIP, focus on uh, scheduled WIP, unscheduled WIP, uh, uh, and aircraft in queue, uh, so that we can focus on those things, move the organization forward. But as, as Vinny you know, our, uh, taught us in Kadina. Uh, it's the physical changes, making changes all around the organization that, that this is what we're about, this is what this organization is, what we do, those artifacts, uh, building the, that site picture so people speak and talk that way in their organizations.
3: What he said, I mean, right, like, I, I wish I had a better answer for it. I mean, obviously, education is important, having everyone have the same vocabulary, using the same words, being on the same page. I, I think, but primarily like if it works (laughs) and if it's if it's affecting the change we need and it's getting us the results we need then I mean the most successful things are the things that there's no barriers to entry there's no barriers to execution so as long as it keeps working like I think it will be sustained but what I hope that at least from our organization what I hope people take from it is that like process improvement is a thing everything is a process like, we probably, we know when something's wrong, when we feel like something's wrong, it's worth taking the time to deep diving into that problem. Like, putting everything on the table and, and just acknowledging that we probably, if, if what we're doing isn't working, don't keep doing it. And just being willing to, to do that. And, and, you know, recognizing that what we're doing now at Shaw, like, probably isn't gonna be what we need to be doing at Shaw one year from now. And so, and how, how do you just get everyone on the same page of understanding that you have to understand why things are going wrong and that's gonna take time, that's gonna take making sure we're talking about the right things, making sure we're using the right data, making sure we're displaying the data in the right way, all of those things. So I don't have a good answer for you other than just knowing that probably what we're doing now isn't what we're gonna be doing, so how do we figure out metrics to make sure when we need to change?
5: Sustainment is a tough nut to crack. Even in Goldratt, even Dr. Goldratt himself struggled with this. I wish I could say it's easy. Uh, we have worked with this for now nearly 30 years, and we're still trying to figure out how to sustain. And some of it is uh, in Air Force is self-inflicted. The way you guys PCS in and out is not helping at all. So uh, sorry. Uh, uh, but uh, but. Uh, What we have found is over a period of time, we have put all the things together, elements to increase what we call it, the shelf life of TOC. It starts with the training. It starts with putting the TTPs and the procedures in place. One big thing that organizations like Delta have done, they embed the IT tools. So the IT tools will force you to work in the TOC. It will not let you release in the system. And then of course metrics, uh, tell me how you measure me, and I'll tell you how I'll behave. So that has a huge driver. So all of these things um, will will are all key elements, but it's it's a tough thing. You have to constantly revisit what's the next. Uh, one of the things that uh, Dr. Goldratt said, um, every situation can be substantially improved. That intuition, that mo- motivation actually drives this to continue TOC. And, and, uh, that's what uh, good organizations do, of course. Yeah. But I don't have a full answer for that. And I wish I could tell you this is the secret sauce. No. Yeah. Chief, any thoughts? Um,
4: the culture. The culture has to change. Um, if we're going to sustain TOC, it can't be something that one base does and the other base is in line waiting to start that process. The entire maintenance and logistics culture needs to transition. And ops. And, ops. and ops. Uh, Sorry. Appreciate that. <laughs> Just listen to your maintainers and you're good. Uh, um, <laughs> Touché. Crew chief. Uh, <laughs> so if, if, the, if the culture um, changes and this becomes the way we do business, this is the Air Force way, it's not TOC, it's just this is what we do now because we are always trying to improve. We use CPI when, in, when it's necessary and where we can apply it. We can use all these other tools in our toolbox but utilizing a mindset shift. So theory of constraints, it it says it's a theory because a scientist is the one that created it, but it is a way to manage differently. So if we just change our management methodology to theory of constraints mindset and educate ourselves and our forces, we're trying to get it in all the educational platforms, Uh, AFLOS, AFIT, Amos is teaching it. We need to get it in tech school. We're going to the pro super course. We're trying, to, we're trying to get it everywhere, so it just becomes that's what I was taught when I was in A1C. That's what I'm going to be doing as a chief. That's what I was taught as a brand-new LT when my master sergeant grabbed me by my collar and took me away from the danger area of the airplane. <laughs> this, is, this is how I'm going to manage my group as a colonel, and this is just how the Air Force needs to go, and I think that's really going to sustain TOC.
2: And that culture piece, I mean, it's huge. Our, our, our airmen don't want us to continue throwing manpower at every problem as we're so want to do in maintenance you know we, we get so complacent you know that and we're fine putting people on 12s we're fine taking their weekends away having them come in to work weekends and they're voting with their feet in many times in many instances deciding to leave and go do something else because they just don't want to they don't want to live in a culture like that you know and and frankly you know as a, as a maintenance officer I, I, I'm embarrassed at how many times As a younger officer, I I employed those tactics. So the culture has to change, you're right. And I think the airmen are gonna force us as they should.
1: Right, so I mean, quite frankly, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to affect our culture, but you gotta understand that it's a journey. So as we watch this go through the Sustainment Center, the transition of Art of the Possible took about seven or eight years. We're on year two. So we're at the beginning of our journey, but I will tell you that the entire Tesseract team and our team of LNOs are here to inculcate this into our very culture, so that is our goal. We know it's a journey, it's going to take some time, but the focus on Tesseract is to generate, educate, and then communicate, and that's exactly what we're trying to do. So you can see all the uh, examples of the generation. The Chief just highlighted what we're trying to do to educate our collective team. That's part of why we're highlighting this thing, all these topics here today, and then to communicate here We've got a TOC summit coming up in DC in the end of May. Join us. We're expanding our contract. We're expanding our slingshot efforts. So if you would like a Theory of Constraints effort out at your locations, please reach out to us. and Let us know so we can get that lined up in the future. But in the meantime, reach out to AFIT, reach out to AFLOS, reach out to your team to, to learn the fundamentals of Theory Constraints because like I said probably three times now, Everything we do in the logistics enterprise is process-based. If we can identify the constraints, we can mitigate those constraints, we can optimize our performance, and quite frankly, just make better use of our airmen's time. The other thing I will will end with here is if you you listen to the way the things were highlighted. This morning, we talked about innovation. Sridhar highlighted that the last journey of the theory of constraints evolution is theory of constraints in innovation. The other thing he popped up and talked about was Airmen for Life. Well, what if we actually intertwined all three? So I get to talk to you about that tomorrow morning. Thanks.
0: Thank you again for listening to Tesseract Podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Any references to trademarked, copyrighted, or protected products or services such as books, movies, or businesses are used here for the limited purpose of education and professional development of Air Force Airmen. If you have any questions, please contact us at www.tesseractaf.com.